I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the new Health Club podcast. This is where the conversation around the new age of mental wellness begins. I think that psychedelics will play a big part in this, and there's a lot of scientific research happening and an industry growing around the topic as we speak. But what are LSD, magic mushrooms, psilocybin and MDMA or ketamine are exactly doing for our mental health and personal progress in the future? On the new Health Club podcast, I talk to real innovators, thought leaders and disruptors from the emerging new world of psychedelics and mental wellness. This podcast deals with drugs. Drugs are dangerous and you should not do drugs. Furthermore, the use and or trade of drugs may be punishable by law. This podcast is not suitable for people under the age of 18. Today our guest on the show is coach Dr. Michael Franz or Michael Franz like Germans say. He supports CEOs, principals and entrepreneurs and their teams creating an agreeable future as he says and he will talk about that later. He's developing winning strategies and coachings for teams and CEOs thus achieving outstanding results in key situations like winning big opportunities or increasing international growth and accelerating internal progress. But what makes him unique and a guest at the show, which is basically about psychedelics? Well, he's an executive coach who's guiding business-orientated medical plant journeys for CEOs and entrepreneurs to understand their business better and to become a new leadership person or persona. So he's interested how psychedelics enable leaders and himself to be much more present, empathetic, courageous, innovative, and impactful. Please enjoy Dr. Michael Franz. Today, I'm very excited to have Michael Franz on the podcast. And to make it very short and to keep you attached and, and stay tuned, you should really listen to what Michael has to say because he's taking big CEOs on big psychedelic trips. How does that work, Michael? And what is it what you do? Well, it's, it's probably not the only thing I do. Yeah, but it's like one of the things I do is that I actually go on the journey with, with CEOs and entrepreneurs and, and leaders. And, and the interesting question here is probably, you know, why to do this and what's the impact of that? And, and why is this important for business? Yeah. And... I think if you, if you really take strategy and strategy development serious, um, you eventually end up in journeys because journeys enable you to connect the dots much faster, much better than with any other tool that's available currently. Yeah? And when you go into the space together, 
And I think that's the difference between me and, for example, a trip sitter. Yeah, because I'm like an executive coach and you're a coach and I have like a huge knowledge about business yeah, and about what's difficult there. And then you go into this field together and, and really find a solution, an agreeable future, so to speak. Yeah, something that's doable, that really makes sense, that's reflecting the resources you have and it's like the ideal solution to your problem. Yeah, and for that... Journeys are a fantastic tool. But I mean, to make this clear, you're not just somebody who's interested in this. You, you come from a really big player business world. You work with ducks companies and yeah. you basically um, are a big business kind of name person by yourself. So, And you kind of combine now things that seem to be uncombinable, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> Yes, in, in a way, I, I combine two worlds. You know, on, on the one hand, I'm, I'm something you would call um, probably like a deal coach. Deal coaches are very rare. And what we do is um, we come in and, and when a, like a big global company wants to win a really big deal, yeah, we, we coach the deal teams and, and help them win, yeah, and develop a winning strategy, prepare them for the presentations, for the orals, for everything. Or um, if you want to like um, renegotiate really bad supply agreements, yeah, um, I'm, I'm the kind of guy to go to. Or if you mm -hmm. want to like progress an internal initiative, like for example, like a big IT project, and usually you have so much resistance, then people like me come in and we create buy-in. We bring everybody together and, and create an agreeable future. So I'm a kind of person who's like on at the front, yeah where like the most difficult things happen and that is to find agreement, to find consent, to agree among each other, to agree with the clients, to really make the big difficult decisions happen. So that's what I do normally, yeah, or most of the time. And on the other hand, I'm like deep in this spiritual or yeah, self-help world, yeah, where you do like therapy and, and meditation and yoga and tantra and go on the journey. And <laughs> I'm like at home in that world too. And, and like probably like 10 years ago, these would be like totally separate worlds, yeah, who have nothing in common. But if you really think about it from a strategic perspective and a business perspective, it actually makes a lot of sense to combine that. And if you take like example, like one of the first trillion dollar companies, Apple, What Steve Jobs did, he naturally combined these two worlds. Yeah, the business world, creating the iPhone, and also the spiritual world, because the iPhone basically opened up consciousness. Yeah, it enabled to connect everybody. Yeah, so it's actually a highly spiritual device in a way, if you think about that. And the dominant strategy, I think, for the 21st century is, is to create products that people love and that expand consciousness and if you look at the growth companies all the companies who create like massive growth they actually follow the strategy okay. so they combine both worlds but i mean so obviously right now there's this how could you say this need or like a new need for new leadership and also for new strategies and um yeah. so i mean in your case like we said earlier very established companies that are not coming from super cool Silicon Valley and already know all about this. 
So they come to you and say like, Michael, this is it. We, we, we really don't know what to do anymore. And that was the case even before COVID hit and nobody yeah. knew what was coming. So can you talk a little bit about why people come to you and how they approach you and what is it that they really have to change or what's their biggest need um, to change in their company? I think the biggest need, especially in established companies, so so to speak, if, if you look at the, the stock market, the so-called value side of the stock market, yeah, the dividend stocks, there's the large companies, the OEMs who are on the value mm -hmm. side, the established ones, they, from my mind, all face one single big problem, yeah, in leadership. And that is how to create consent, how to create buy-in. Because traditionally, the way we select CEOs yeah, is that we select for people who are like the best at pushing, yeah, who can force, who are dominant. And this has advantages, but it also has disadvantages. And the disadvantage is that people over the years and over the decades, they learn to resist more and more. So what happens, if you look at it, especially like from a deal perspective, yeah, mm -hmm. is that these companies end up more and more in deadlock. Yeah? So everybody is pushing and everybody is forcing and everybody is resisting, but actually that leads to kind of standstill. And that's what we're observing right now. And that's why so many of these value companies actually have transformed into zombie companies because they're actually in standstill and standstill is kind of like being dead yeah and and without the the huge amount of credit and the low interest rates they actually a lot of them would already be bankrupt so the question is how to get out of this deadlock yeah how to get out of this resistance how to get out of this power game and what I do is I show people how to create consent, how to make a fair deal, because how to make everybody safe, because once people feel safe, they naturally start to move. Yeah. And once they feel safe, you can actually create new opportunities, new ways forward. Yeah. And that's what I do. That's what I bring in. And I think that's one of the key skills to learn in leadership in the future will be how to create consent, how to create agreement, how to create buy-in. Mm -hmm. Because we, in a way, we reach the end of dominance. Yeah, That's <laughs> Because very interesting, you can, yeah, obviously. <laughs> we did. Yeah, you can push as much as you want. You can engage McKinsey <laughs> and Boston Consulting who are like, like pushing servos, you know, who are like even, even like increasing your pushing power. But the resistance of all the people around you is, has increased too. Yeah, so, so at the end, we're in deadlock. And the only way out of this deadlock is to learn how to create agreement, how to create consent, how to create buy-in. And that's what I do. And, I mean, so how, I mean, obviously you had already a couple of, let's say, CEO clients or like big yeah. names having to make big decisions for a lot of people. So how would you say have CEOs that you worked with uh, changed afterwards? The thing is what I observe, especially if you take a CEO or a high-level executive or an entrepreneur on the journey, is, is and, and you combine that really with the journey, is that they get much more balanced 
Yeah, they get, for example, I mean, usually they're really good, very dominant, very, very alpha, very, very pushy. Yeah, and they, they, develop, they, they somehow develop the other side too. So they get better at pulling. They get better at being empathetic. They get better in dealing, for example, very, I observe this all the time, especially if it's men, that they get better in dealing with women and women feel much safer around them. Yeah, and, and they also get in a way happier. Yeah, they, 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 they have the feeling they're much more in the flow. Yeah, they're like more easy to deal with, literally. Yeah, <laughs> and because <Good. laughs> they're easier to deal with and people feel safer around them, they're actually much more effective. That's, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what probably the next. I don't know, 20 years have to be like, right? That people feel safe working for a company. Yes. Because, I mean, if you think about motivation, you know, we, we talk so much about motivation and motivating people. The, the, the question nobody asks is actually, why are people not motivated? Yeah. And, and if you look at the brain, people who are like scared, they get into the state of freeze. So people who are like frozen, they're actually scared to death. So the thing is, It's very easy to motivate people. The only thing you actually need to do is you need to make them safe, that they mm -hmm. feel safe. Once people feel safe, they move naturally. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do much. It's, it's, it's incredibly easy. So, and you just take us a little bit through the, let's say, a classical Michael Franz journey. <laughs> so, you make an appointment okay. <laughs> and then you go. <laughs> and what happens then? Okay, okay. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not like, like it works. Um, no, I mean, you tell if, us. If you go on a journey, or if I do this, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like more like a, a project, a little bit like a small project. And so, you know, what you do is, is you obviously like sit together and, and you meet and you really think about what you want to achieve. What is the big question you need an answer to? Yeah. Journeys are really good to find answers to really big questions. Or what is the big decision you are struggling with? Or so, so it needs to be clear what is really the intent of this whole thing. Yeah? Why are we doing this? You know, what, what is, and, and I usually approach it from a term, what is the question you need an answer to? And really to do research, to think about it, like really to prepare this in a, in a good way. Yeah? And also to prepare the, the whole setting. Yeah? Because... Something we, we also don't think about much is that CEOs or entrepreneurs or executives, like everybody else, is, are scared too. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> they're afraid too. And, and going into the unknown, going into a space that is, is like a little bit out of control or like new, yeah, it, it's not something that's easy to do. Yeah, so, so what we need to clarify beforehand, and I'm like very thorough in this, is like all the details, everything that's important that you feel safe. Yeah, that's, that's like the first thing. We need to clarify what is the answer you're looking for and what needs to be done on every level mm -hmm. that you feel safe. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I need to feel safe with you too. Yeah, it goes in both ways. It's not one way. Yeah, this is like, this is like an expedition, so to speak. Yeah, and we need to be able to trust each other. Yeah, and then... Um, we, we, we go to the Netherlands because obviously it's legal there to, to go mm -hmm. and to take psilocybin. And in Germany, for example, it's not. Yeah? So wherever you come from, we meet in the Netherlands and we meet at uh, one of the most beautiful locations in the Netherlands, like a dream come true location. 
and and we prepare the space, yeah, and we get the medicine, and and we could get in a good state, yeah. So so we do yoga and and we do breath work and and we do all like all kinds of things that you are actually physically in a prime state. That's really important. It's it's so important how you physically go into the journey. So so we invest really some time into that, yeah. Yoga, breath work, meditation, yeah, that, that you really feel good, yeah? Good vegetarian meal, everything that's necessary that you really are in a prime state, yeah? And, and then we, we start the journey again with intention setting, yeah? And it's like a sacred space, so, so we speak a prayer, we, we talk about the intentions, and and also again we make clear that we are safe with each other and what needs to be done that everybody feels safe and then we go on the journey together and that is a difference between what you normally do yeah what you normally do is you have like a trip sitter and he's like a babysitter sitting you mm-hmm. yeah but that's not what i do what i do is is a little bit like more advanced and that is both take the medicine and and you go into the field together yeah so you're connected in a way and so I'm like more like a guide. And I hold space for you, which is also something you need to be able to do, actually. Yeah, that you take the medicine and are at the same time able to hold space. And this is like also something that's a little bit more advanced. And so that's what you do. And then what usually happens is that you have a phase, and it's called the climb, that usually takes like three, four hours. And you are by yourself, I'm by myself, I hold space for you, but basically everybody is in his own process. Mm-hmm. And then comes a moment where you have the feeling you are back. Yeah? <laughs> it describes this really well. You have the feeling, I'm back. Yeah? <laughs> and then starts a second phase, and the second phase is that you actually interact with each other and, and solve problems and, and, and create strategies and, and develop plans. And, and it's really like a very intense interaction. And at the end, you, you, you have your answer, your plan, you know how to do it. You, 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 it's, it's, like, it's like, you can imagine, it's like in a McKinsey project, yeah, <laughs> which takes three months in like one night and with a better outcome. Okay, in one night and a better outcome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually what happens. And, and so this whole process takes like usually eight to sometimes ten hours. And then you close the ceremony. And, and um, you sleep. And then the next day, you know, you wake up um, again, you know, with yoga and breath work and fresh vegetarian food and, and a walk in nature. Yeah, this, this place where I always do this is like surrounded by hectares of wild gardens it's it's incredible beautiful and we take a walk there and and reflect on everything and and write down what we need to write down and and think about what are the next steps and how to do this and how to implement this and and like really very professional how you do this as a coach mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and then in in the in the days and weeks follow following you know you 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 stay in touch you know and and you think of you make sure that you actually do it, yeah? And usually what, what one of the outcomes is of, of such a journey is that whoever, you know, goes on this journey actually usually comes to a point where he actually needs to make a decision, mm-hmm. yeah? 
And, and making decisions is, is nothing trivial. Yeah? If it would be easy, everybody would do it. But the, the, the point of a decision is, it's, it's really an interesting thing, because it comes from Latin, decidere, and it means cutting off. Ah, and the interesting thing is, if you decide for one thing, you have mm -hmm. to say no to everything else. Mm. Yeah? Mm. And the, the, that's what makes decision-making actually so difficult, is that you need to say no to everything else. And usually in such a journey, people come to a place where they make a decision, a big one, and where they're able and find the courage and the strength to actually say no to something in order to say yes to what they really want, what's really important for them. And this is like one of the most amazing moments. Yeah, if someone finds the courage to really say yes to what they want and, and to say no to what they don't want anymore. So, and, and how much go there, like say somebody who's just had the journey with you or took the journey with you and is, let's say, running a really big company and how much goes let's say, their idea of their personal lives together with their idea of being the CEO or the founder of a company. So do both, yeah. basically both things yeah. change? Is it intertwined yeah, suddenly way more? Change. Okay. Both mm -hmm. things change very, very measurably. So again, people, that's that what happens to everybody is, is you get more into balance. And, and what also happens is you get more into balance in your private life. So, so, What I usually observe is that, that executives start to invest more time into their family. They are more present there. They are much more approachable. They take care more of their kids. They enjoy that more. And, and usually there's also kind of pain there. And the pain is that, that if you're running a company or if you're like responsible for a huge part of a company, this is so demanding. And, and in a way, you, are, you have this machine up here running all the time and it's very very difficult to take this machine off yeah um and musk in, in in one of his joe rogan interviews you know he spoke about that that he said you know to joe you don't want to be me because what if you can't turn it off if you can't turn this machine off yeah and to be around children you need to be able to be present and to be present to something that is not intellectual yeah and If you get more into balance, it's much easier for you to do that. And, and it's usually, especially for men, it's, it's a pain that they know they should do that and they would like to do it, but they actually don't really know how. And once they get more into balance, it's, it's much easier for them to enjoy family life, yeah? which actually makes them usually really happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's of course. An amazing like the amazing side effect of that. The, the, if these two parts, like of life, kind of can collaborate, <laughs> it's always better. But I mean, yeah. of course, right now, even before COVID, it was already very necessary. But even now, we're even more into a in a situation. Let's come back to the to the CEO and company um, life or idea of a company that has to change again. Like, I mean, it probably had to change in January 2020 and in April 2020, it has basically to change again um, because so many things obviously are not working anymore that kind of were working before. 
So, and I mean, as we know on this podcast, psychedelics can change your perspective in a very profound, but also in a very fast way to things. So, I mean, I'm going to say this now a little bit like, um, you know, like as a journalist. Say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> do all CEOs have to do psychedelics to really have a new idea about their company? Okay. The thing is, we have to look here. What is the first principle here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the first principle here is that COVID-19 is actually only the trigger for a huge shift in, in business and society. And it's a shift from the industrial age into the information age. Yeah. And in the industrial age, yeah, you could, you could um, because it's, it's material, the development is much slower. So, um, for example, if you look at, at the car industry, for example, yeah, you, you develop a feature, yeah, and, and then you develop the feature like for the S-Class or the most expensive thing, and then you trickle it down over the years into the other cars. But it goes really slow, yeah? And because it goes slow, um, you, can, you can also lead with dominance and force because all your competitors are slow too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But now we're coming into the information age and in the information age, it's actually the, the key factor is computational power and not only in computers, but also in human beings, because the biggest competitive advantage you have is computational power. And so what psychedelics do and, and largely enhance is the ability to increase computational power in your brain and the ability to, to, make, to, to create sense-making yeah, on a much higher level. So, so I think, from my perspective, who wants to win in the information age probably doesn't have a chance without it. Because the ones who do win in the information age, like the Elon Musks or um, Jack Dorsey's or so on, they are all doing that. Yeah? <laughs> and, and the whole Silicon Valley, if you look at all these tech billionaires, like according to Tim, Fer Tim Ferriss, they are all doing it. And it's probably not, not, not a coincidence that there is a place where all these growth companies are developing. Well, the interesting thing, though, and is that even... Some of them, or like probably most of them, I mean, there's no, I mean, some names you know, like, but some you don't. But the interesting thing, the more I get into this, is that a lot of them started taking psychedelics, not in the first place, not to create like a new car or like a new house or world, even. They kind of started because they were battling sometimes also mental health problems. Yes. And As we know, of course, people who have a very busy mind <laughs> uh, sometimes have also, like you described earlier, problems to come down. So, and and if you, I mean, some some entrepreneurs who told their story a little bit more precisely, they, there are a couple of them um, were actually saying that. Well, I in the first place, a couple of years ago, I got into touch with it because I felt I was overworked and I couldn't just come down anymore. So, and that led them then suddenly to a path to create completely new products or like yes. new structures. So, 
But it would be also interesting to to hear how you got into it because you could also be like you know just on the board of Deutsche Bank or like yeah, doing something completely I different. <laughs> and, and and that's my story, you know. Maybe maybe to make my story very short. Yeah, my my story begins. Um, I, I was literally conceived as a crown prince to a company. No joke. Yeah, literally. <laughs> My, my grandfather created one of the biggest um, car dealerships in, in Germany. And it's actually, to this moment, 100 years later, still one of the largest privately held car dealerships in, in Germany. So, so that's the reason why I actually have some knowledge about the car industry, even mm -hmm. though I never worked there. And I was born. And half a year later, my father and his father, they got into major conflict. And my father left the company. And my grandfather ruled that... Never, ever, any family member can work in this company. Oh. So basically, <laughs> I lost my purpose <laughs> with half a year. And, and with this came like a childhood overshadowed by these conflicts. Yeah, with, with lawyers and, and with investment bankers and decision-making. And 10 years later, my grandfather died and was like incredible, difficult inheritance. And so I grew up in a kind of hell, yeah, with, with, with two extremely stressed parents, yeah, who are like more like on the narcissistic side, yeah. I was bullied at school. I, I didn't understand this world. I didn't have a purpose and... And so I ended up having PTSD and, and having HGSS and being an Asperger. And so basically not being employable, yeah, mm -hmm. and, and not knowing what to do and not having real support. Yeah, my, my parents never stood behind me in a real way. Yeah. And so I... I had to define myself and I had to, to um, find a way. And with 16, I almost died. Yeah. And I, I had an accident with my Vespa with a scooter and I, I ruptured my spleen and I got a first operation surgery. And because I was young, they tried a new method. And then I ended up in ICU. And three days later, I woke up and I knew, okay, when nothing happens, I'm going to die. And then half an hour later, the surgeon came in and said, we have to make a new surgery because otherwise you're going to die. And, and in this moment, I, I made a decision. I want to live, even though that my life was total hell. It was hell at home. It was hell at school. And, and it would, would, would have been a good exit. Yeah. But I made a decision. I want to live. And it was a kind of like an initiation for me. And since that day, I'm working on myself. I've done everything. Yeah, I've tried every kind of therapy and, and what you can imagine. Yeah, just, just to, to feel whole and eventually just for this purpose, yeah, to heal this trauma, I ended up with the psychedelics. And this like completely accelerated me, yeah, in a way I, I never would have thought possible. Mm. And through that, I actually developed a method I'm writing a book about, something called the fair deal method, yeah? because I think that's the way we need to deal with each other in the future. On every level, we need to make fair deals because it actually makes much more sense and it's much more successful and people enjoy it much more and it works much better and the results are much better. And I would say without psychedelics, I would never have developed that. But because I'm 
I'm an Asperger, basically, yeah, and I have ADHD and, and I have CTPC. Like most people wouldn't recognize it in like an immediate contact with me, but I still have it. Yeah, I I couldn't be on a board in this way because I can be like really on, <laughs> and in a journey this is like really good because I can be like 150 on and focused and there, but then I need time to recharge. Yeah. And I know that. I know my limitations. Yeah. So I'm like an excellent guide and I'm an excellent coach, but I wouldn't be an excellent executive. And I think that's very important in life to know what you're good at and where your limitations are, what you're not good at. And I'm not a good executive. <laughs> no, but I mean, I feel, I mean, we talked about this many times before that psychedelics can also bring you to your attention or amplify your talents suddenly, right? Totally. I mean, in a way totally. that you will not have that experience. I mean, if you work with, let's say, a regular coach, which can be for some people, no doubt that's perfect, but for other people, including myself, and um, I just couldn't never really find a real access to things, to to things that really mattered to me, but also that I was obviously good at kind of in many ways. Like, so, but, so, I mean, what, mm -hmm. what psychedelics do is they amplify your talents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they really do. They're like an accelerator on so many levels and for everyone. And if you, if you like also look like at the history of Elon Musk, for example, you know, he, he was abused. He was bullied. He was depressed. Yeah. And, 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 and probably very early on, he, he started doing, doing um, psychedelics. I mean, if you do like a Google research on, on Elon Musk and, and psychedelics, you find a lot of stuff, yeah? And, and he actually started to think about the idea how to change this world, how to make it a better place. That, that was his starting point. His starting point wasn't to make money or wasn't to found companies or wasn't anything of that kind, but actually how to improves this world in a way that you create products or services people love yeah and that expand consciousness mm. yeah and basically everyone who does psychedelics ends up sooner or later at the question how do i create stuff that people love and how do i expand consciousness and i think the the next years and decades there's a big frontier we have i mean we conquered the whole earth yeah we we can produce anything we want that that's yeah. we, we, we we conquered that But, but the next frontier is consciousness, is to expand consciousness. This is a big new adventure. This is a big new frontier. So we basically need to create CEOs without an ego. <laughs> we, we need to do what? We need to create CEOs without an ego. Egoless CEOs. That's the, that's the well, I mean, ego in a way that in, in psychedelics, like the ego is basically for a certain time, it's absent And then, of course, but it, it's coming back maybe just in a different form. Let's put it that way. I, I, I wouldn't agree to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, the thing is, CEOs and executives, like everybody else, are human beings and they are flawed. And, they, and I think they should have the permission to be flawed and human beings. And because that's why we're here. We're humans. And because we're humans, we are flawed. We are not perfect. And, and I think they, they should have the same right to be unperfect like everybody else. And I think actually it would make much, it would make much, everything much easier if you would give them the permission and would be okay to be imperfect and flawed. 
Yeah, because they are human like everybody else. Yeah, so they struggle like everybody else. And they get stuff done in, in good ways like everybody else. And there are stuff they don't get done mm -hmm. because they have the limitations. And they have an ego like everybody else. You have an ego and I have an ego. <laughs> no, but I mean, of course, but it's just obviously the ego has well, to be transformed. The point. And the, the thing is, I think what we need, we don't need egoless CEOs because I think that's probably not something anybody can achieve. Yeah, maybe, maybe some enlightened guru can do that, but most people can't. Even with psychedelics, they can't. <laughs> and, and I think what we actually just need on a very practical basis are people who are like much more aware, are better to create agreement, are better to create consent, are better able to create safety around them that people are naturally motivated and moving. And, and this would be already a huge step forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So last question, what would people have to do who own a company who want to come up with a new idea of their business right now, especially right now, to get in touch with you? Um, they can do two things. They can go to my website, which is very easy, microfrance.de. Or they can... I created a YouTube channel last week and I'm bringing out examples of how to create agreeable future. Mm -hmm. like today I will publish a video about how... Um, the German car industry could leapfrog Tesla and become the next trillion dollar company in an agreeable way that actually works for everybody. Wow. And I will also publish a video about Apple, how they can create the next big thing and actually make more money than with the iPhone. And so I showcase the way I think and the way I create agreeable future on YouTube. So mm -hmm. if you want to take a look at it, how I approach that, yeah, then just watch my videos. And if you think that's something you could need for your company, then get in touch. We will, of course, put the YouTube channel and your website and the podcast yeah. and everything. Um, that was very interesting. And I think I don't also want to like, you know, like talk about it forever because I feel it's something, if it resonates with people, people will get in touch with you. And I think that's when the moment or the journey starts. Yeah. And um, I think it would be so interesting to have more... CEOs from especially from like classic big player companies to have um, to have do have like their CEOs undergoing a journey like this. Of course, it's just like a at this point maybe just a fantasy, but I think in a couple of years this will be like a very viable tool for a lot of people, and it won't be maybe so stigmatized anymore. Like it, I mean, it's kind of on the way out, but it still is kind of in a certain context. So. We are working I on think this, this to change that. And, and that it's like new and, and strange will be gone latest in two years. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. It's, it's like this meditation, like 20 years ago, yeah, CEO yeah. started meditations and high performance started meditations and everybody thought, hey, meditation is like really strange. You need to go to India and, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and dress up in yellow and Osho and so on. And now <laughs> it's like totally commonplace. Every high performer meditates, yeah? And like on every level, it's like, like totally normal. It and made it to the Spiegel cover. I think cover the already. same will happen with psychedelics. And in two years, this, this won't be in any way strange or new anymore because yeah. it would be totally normal that this is like one of the most powerful tools to advance your your company your family whoever mm -hmm. yeah so and you and i will work on this together in different yes. <laughs> cities <laughs> so 
Thank you so much. That was super interesting and something very rare that people probably haven't heard of, like really heard of, I mean, in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, thanks for being on a podcast. With all your Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye.